0: Hey guys, welcome to the Mini and Me podcast, podcast where we discuss the trials and tribulations of being a parent of a teen and an actual teen in today's world. My name is Joe. I am an interior decorator and a fashion stylist and this podcast discusses my
1: successes and failures as a mom of a teenage daughter. My name is Eden and I am 15 years old and in ninth grade. This podcast gives parents and other teenagers advice and a view of what it's like to be a teenager today from my perspective. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mini
0: and Me podcast. So today we're talking about mental health and we have a special guest. This is one of my best friends, Nicole, and she is a licensed psychiatrist. So Nicole, you wanna give a little intro about yourself?
2: I see everything from depression to anxiety to bipolar disorder, and I like to give patients an option. So that means that they don't come in to see me just for medication. Nowadays, a lot of psychiatrists will refer out for therapy, and I really like to do both. I've been trained to do therapy as well as medication management, and I also like to offer patients an alternative to therapy and medication, meaning that I'll look at their lifestyle, look at how they manage stress. How they eat, how they exercise, um, are they spiritual? So it's really I like to give you know my patients sort of a multi dimensional approach. That. Yeah, um, that's that's
0: that's definitely yeah. something that I know that she and I have been looking for. So we're focusing specifically on teenagers and their mental health. So I'm going to give you the history of my story, but it has all started even before I was a teenager. So if you are a teen and you're listening to this and you can relate to it, it's not at all uncommon. I mean, for me, my first memories I have of having anxiety. And so for Eden, hers had come up in her pre like about 12, 13th, sixth, the, sixth grade. yeah, about sixth grade. So for me, I have anxiety. Um, I've Since the first memory I have, I, um, I remember worrying about not worrying. So I would be like, wait, I was just worrying about something. What was I worrying about? And it was debilitating, and I had no idea that I had a disorder. I had no idea there was something I can do about it. And at about 25 years old, I was in therapy for issues with something I was working out, and that therapist told me to go see a psychiatrist, and she thought maybe I had an anxiety disorder. Well, it turns out that I did. I had generalized anxiety disorder. At which point they put me on Lexapro with a very, very low dose of Lexapro, which is an anti-anxiety medication. And um, Nicole, I call her Coco, <laughs> is going to go more into what this actual medicine does. But um, that medicine, the, literally the day I took it, and it's not even supposed to work right away, and you can you know attest to that. But it, for me, it shut the light off. It shut the worry off, and it so, changed my life. Eden, why don't you tell us a little bit about your disorder, <laughs> and I'm putting quotations in the air, Um and you know what you know for you when you started noticing it
1: so all i remember is that in sixth grade um i just remember i got like really sad and i couldn't get out of it and um i think we started seeing a therapist and stuff and we uh, yeah
0: yeah and then the therapist had recommended that maybe we see a psychiatrist because the therapy just wasn't working it wasn't making her you know we were giving trying to give her tools to feel better but it wasn't working so we ended up going to a psychiatrist and she ended up prescribing a very low dose of Prozac. Now, I don't know why they chose Lexapro for me and Prozac for her. So is that the common thing for when a teenager is feeling depressed? Is that the first medication that they would normally go to?
2: Not necessarily. And actually, because you guys are first relatives, you know, first, gen- first degree relatives, I might have actually tried Eden on the same medication because a lot of times we find that first-degree relatives will respond the best to the same to the same medication. But really, in a way, it's sort of trial and error, which is kind of crazy that we're you know in the twenty you know where we are you know twenty twenty-four and we're still sort of like figuring out you know to the best of our abilities which one to try, which one we think might, you know, and there's there's nuances to that, but I mean, generally speaking. Yeah. So
0: you're saying it's, it's not a perfect science, which I think people think that it is.
2: Yeah, it really isn't. And as we'll probably get
1: to, there are side effects.
0: Yes, yeah, so we're going to get to the side effects. Believe me, we're getting to the but,
1: side effects. <laughs> after two weeks of taking medicine, I just felt better. And I felt like the depression like left.
0: Yeah, I started noticing that she was happier again, and it definitely helped. And I remember talking to Coco. um, She's not Eden's doctor, but just to get her perspective. And, you know, we weren't sure. Was it the teenage years? Was it the, you know... um, You know, when kids hit puberty, all of a sudden, obviously, they have all these hormones. Was it that? And you had said it very well might have been, but it wasn't, you didn't think it was a bad thing for her to go on medication just to kind of maybe even get her through this since she was having such a strong reaction. So you do see that in
2: teens sometimes where you'll put
0: someone on for two years and then take them off?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think that's where you really have to try to tease out, you know, what's going on and whether it does make sense even for a short period of time. To help somebody get through a difficult period, whether it is what we would say external stressors like the stress of being in high school, all the social stuff that goes on. Now we have to deal with social media. I mean, there's like so many things that go on right now that cause teens a lot of stress. And then there's the biological piece, what you inherit from you know your DNA and just what you kind of brought into the world with.
0: So then I have a question. So she had never shown any signs of depression. And so there might be teens out there and moms who of teens that are like, my kid was the happiest kid. Like this child, you, you know, Eden her whole life. It's, there was nobody happier, more bubbly than Eden. And then one day, boom, it was like a crash and she completely changed. So is that is that something for parents to be concerned about? Or is that something that you would say is that's a common thing to see in the teens? And like, when does a parent know Maybe you should take, you know, for me, I needed to take action. She was right. really, really depressed. And, I, and she, com- she completely turned into a different person.
2: Yeah. So I think also what's going on, obviously, at this time is hormones, right? So we get a big, like, flux of hormones for boys and girls. And that can also play a role in what's going on with the neurotransmitters, of which serotonin is one. So we have serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine. And they're all, and, and well, I said norepinephrine, right. So those are all sort of going up and down as teens go through, um, you know, adolescence. And a lot of times parents won't recognize their kids and they're sort of like, well, what's going on? Like, who are you? And I do think that if their functioning is really impaired or affected, they're not sleeping, their mood is causing issues socially or even within the family, it's a great idea to go, to see a professional and just check it out. Maybe you start with a therapist like Eden did, and then maybe the therapist feels like, you know what, this is out of my league. I think a medication consultation would be appropriate. And so you sort of do it in a stepwise manner. And yes, if you start an antidepressant or otherwise known as, you know, as Joe said, for anxiety as well doesn't mean you have to stay on it forever. It could be that it gets you through this really hard, challenging time, and then you get to the other side of it, and you're like, I don't need this anymore.
0: Right, so that's kind of where we're at. So um, when it came to myself, I had been, um, you know, so I wasn't on it in my teens, it probably would have been pretty helpful, honestly. Um, But I had been on and off on and off um, my, you know, you know, for the last 20 years, and recently, I'm off it permanently, and I will get to what I have done, I wanted an alternative to medicine, the medicine for me, while it definitely shut that light off, and I'm so unbelievably thankful for that. It also had caused for me, and this is not for other people to be discouraged, because you really kind of have to choose, you know, people, I am not, I don't have a crazy amount of anxiety. It's a very. I needed a very low dose, but that low dose made me gain weight. And over two years, I always put on 20 pounds. Then I would have to go off, lose the weight, go back on because there's a shelf life. For me, there was like a four-month shelf life where the me- without the medicine, I was still feeling like I had the medicine in my body. Um, and then I had found an alternative that I did for me, and it worked for me, and that's what I ended up doing with Eden. But Eden, we did not want to keep her on it. Um, you were very – you wanted – were you nervous when when we wanted to talk to you about taking you off the medicine? Were you nervous about going off it?
1: I was definitely nervous about going off the medicine because I didn't want to feel like the feelings that I had again.
0: So yeah, so for Eden, she didn't have side effects, but I really believed in my heart that Eden did not have any other signs of anxiety or depression. My husband has no signs of that. I felt that she took after more his family, and that this was just like a crash of you know, adolescence, so I really wanted to try and see what would happen if I took her off of it and then do this alternative, which I have been doing for the last year, and so that's why Eden's no longer on. So, Coco, what are some of the signs of anxiety and depression and any other mental disorders that you think people should look out for?
2: So there's definitely an overlap and I think a lot of people may might not realize that depression and anxiety do overlap in a lot of their symptoms. So obviously, you know classic depression, you have low energy, you're sad, you don't enjoy the, you know, the activities that you normally enjoy, you avoid your friends, you avoid doing things, you're just, you're just down, right? Anxiety is kind of what, you know, you're, you alluded to, which is just worrying about everything for no reason. Worrying about worrying, which, you know, sounds, Illogical, but that's exactly what anxiety is. It's, it's also anticipatory anxiety where you're always nervous about what's going to happen or you're always thinking about what did happen. Um, so it's this constant chatter. But a lot of times things like an irritable mood or being down, you can see that in anxiety and depression. So there's definitely overlap. And a lot of times people have a little bit of both. So when you may consider going on medication, you're thinking about, covering all of those symptoms. And that's why the main medication for anxiety and depression are SSRIs, which stands for serotonin reuptake inhibitor.
0: So for me, my anxiety, like I said, was me, I couldn't shut the light off, I, the worrying wouldn't stop. And the day I took my medicine, the light went off. And it was the most freeing, unbelievable feeling in the entire world. I I cannot tell you how much torture I was in before that. But I also was always glo- like thinking, Oh, my God, something's gonna happen to my kids, something's gonna happen to my husband, something's gonna happen to my family. What? So it was I'm always gloom ro- and doom, right? It was always yeah. gloom and doom and worrying. And I have a very bubbly personality, and nobody would ever know how much torture I had going on in my brain. Even what were some of the symptoms that you had? with your depression that maybe other teens have felt or you know feel
1: i just felt trapped i felt trapped in a box and like each side were like different like effects you mean like trapped by your thoughts like your own thoughts Mm -hmm. like i couldn't get out and like there was just like another feeling hitting me when like one feeling went away like there was a different feeling that would like hit me
0: so were you just like were you I felt like you almost couldn't be happy. I don't want to yeah, put words in Yeah, I, I
1: couldn't. Yeah, it was like I felt tired. I didn't want to... Oh, I silly. I love you. But <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I just wanted to sleep. And like I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to go to school. And I, I don't think I was doing good in school at the time either.
0: Yeah, I think you just... It, it seemed like it was a struggle for you to be joyful.
1: Yeah. It, I wasn't suicidal, but I also thought that it'd be easy. Like, I just wanted to, like, not, like...
0: She didn't care if she woke up. I felt like yeah. I think you had said that to me also. You're like, if I don't wake up tomorrow, it's fine. You're
2: yeah. not going to do anything, but you're like, yeah. Right. and you probably didn't enjoy the things you normally enjoyed. Like you just sort of felt apathetic. Like yeah, it
1: was just like everything was like so much work to do. Like to even like talk, it was just like it was a struggle. Yeah.
2: I feel like that's, probably that's
1: classic fun. depression.
0: <laughs> that sounds like yeah. classic depression. I'm not even a doctor. So I know there's other disorders out there. Bipolar. Um, maybe that's another disorder. I feel like that's pretty popular. What are some of the signs of that one?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So whereas depression is often uh, referred to as unipolar, a unipolar disorder, meaning your your mood just sort of goes down one direction. Bipolar, as the name implies, means that you're going from one extreme to the other. So You'll, a person's mood can dip down to depression and then elevate beyond a normal mood to kind of like what we would call a hypomanic or a manic um, state. Where,
0: so what does that look like though? Because she and I have <laughs> hyper personalities. I've heard like leg is sitting here shaking, like right. we're extremely hyper people. So, how right. do you know what's personality and what is Yeah, the that's disorder? a great question,
2: right? So, having a bubbly personality or sort of having a lot of energy and liking to have fun and laughing a lot is very different from somebody who we would say is sort of hypomanic, which means that, you know, their thoughts in their mind are coming very, very quickly. They, you know, can want to go out and spend a lot of money without any real reason. Um, They may, you know, want to have sex a lot or kind of so it's kind of like a whole picture and if somebody has a little bit of this and that it doesn't mean oh my gosh you know they have bipolar disorder but it's when all of these things sort of come together so again it's sort of like having tons of energy maybe not needing to sleep for a few days but then also not feeling tired so right if someone has a sleep issue and they don't sleep but then they crash the next day that suggests that they don't have bipolar disorder
0: so it sounds like you would notice it's not a personality yes. thing. Okay. Because
2: this is not... It's very this. distinct. And hypomania, so I just described what we would call bipolar type 2, where you go from depression to a hypomanic state. There's also bipolar type 1, which is an even more serious or kind of critical disorder where someone can shift from a, a state of depression to, to a manic state. And that's really a detachment from reality. So somebody who is delusional that you know, thinks that they're, you know, Jesus Christ, who, you know, feels that they can fly. I mean, it's a real departure from reality. That's a very, very serious condition and they would probably need to be hospitalized for that. What about schizophrenia? Right. So that's another distinct disorder. In some ways, it has some commonalities with bipolar type one in the sense that there's a complete departure from reality so right so with schizophrenia there's also another element that goes on which is something called um you know having hallucinations so they can be auditory they can be visual they can even be tactile or olfactory meaning like affecting somebody can smell things that aren't there but the most common is auditory so that's when people think that they're hearing voices and it's literally hearing not their own thoughts but like another person's voice talking to them in their head so what's very scary is they can experience something called command hallucinations and that's where you know a voice can tell them to harm themselves or somebody else or tells them that they're a bad person or very like negative sort of commands so
0: that sounds like a lot of people who commit murders a lot of time you hear them say someone something in my head told me to do it
2: yeah i mean i think it what's scary is that the first, a very common time time for schizophrenia to present is often right around college, for for men and a little bit older, like you know mid twenties for women. I feel like it's.
0: Is it not more prevalent in men? I don't know that I've ever heard of a woman. Oh listening. no, it, it's it it's
2: it's prevalent in women as well. I mean, again, not prevalent meaning these. This is schizophrenia is much less common than depression or anxiety for sure. But I think we do see like the college time there it's basically when you have moments of like stressful transition so that's when for a lot of you know a lot of times you'll see college age kids have what we call like a first break of schizophrenia it's like all of their symptoms are really sort of starting to present so like bipolar you definitely want to seek like a psych, psych psychiatric help immediately
0: where do you go if you don't have the the money
2: well if For you're something in,
0: like this, this is major stuff,
2: right? Right. I mean, if you're in college, obviously you go to your mental health, you know, crisis center, um, and outside of that, you you know, you go to your primary and you have your primary, you know, help you because um, they're you know they're they're often like public you know hospitals or places that you can go.
0: I looked and searched for something that was an alternative to medicine because I couldn't take the weight up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And there's other side effects. Also, there's sexual side effects. I just wanted all those side effects for me to go away. And I didn't want, even though Eden wasn't feeling those side effects, I was worried that eventually those things would happen to her as well, being that we are related. I found this woman who did something called neurofeedback, where it kind of trains your brain to kind of heal itself. It's like a permanent thing where it's like, if your brain is too, I guess, too fast or too slow or whatever the issue is, ADD, ADHD, anxiety, depression, she puts these electrodes in different parts. And I've told Coco about this for a while now. And I know that you were very interested, and I I encourage you definitely to speak to the woman who who runs the center here in our area, but I know they have a bunch around the country. And I've been off it for a year. It's the first time in 20 years that I'm not on medication, and my anxiety is even better because I don't have any of the side effects, and I don't have any of that underlying anxiety anymore either. For Eden, how are you feeling being off the Prozac and just doing the neurofeedback? With
1: the neurofeedback, I feel the same as like I was with the medicine, like the sadness is gone and stuff. So I just feel like normal. I definitely listen.
0: She's not a perfect adolescent, You know, does she have moods? A hundred percent. I think it's important and maybe Coco can help us with this and like it's difficult for parents, I'm sure, to under- like find, okay, my child's being like bitchy or she's being like super rude to me. That's not where you put a child on medication, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, it was much, much deeper than that. Even, I, would, I don't want to say she was suicidal. She wasn't, but it was like heading in that direction and I was not willing to take that chance and that's where I was at with it. Um, I'm also hyper, hyper aware of mental health issues because of my own, so where do you maybe you could help like where where is that sort of line this
2: is all based on severity of symptoms so right there's a spectrum so if somebody just has milder symptoms maybe starting with therapy and some of these other you know ideas would would work but if somebody yes has unbelievably like joe and eden are saying like for them the neurofeedback was really terrific and i think I that's, that's just an example of functioning they can't sometimes do. They they need don't to look out, out of the box they are, they are sort of traditional friends they psychiatry are completely right? like down. then you have to then you a proponent you know, go of something even if you're a medical a doctor yes. you and see what well, medica- you, know, yes. you
0: don't think that medicine is the end-all be-all but sometimes if you're in a really desperate situation i feel like You got to start just start with that and then maybe
2: absolutely i think it's all about having as many tools in your toolbox as you as you can right so i just completed a fellowship in integrative psychiatry where i really did a deep dive into things like supplements and how exercise and nutrition affects our moods and our brain and so i think you know you have to sort of know that yes medication is an option and it's very effective for a lot of people but for other people a it may be effective but might have side effects as joe experienced or B, not even be effective so you have to just have an open mind and have that really like explore you know explorational kind of like mindset where you're just going to keep searching and keep trying things
0: yeah but because it's not a perfect science i think that if i was a parent who again wasn't so hyper aware one of the first things i would look at which i try to get even into is more of an like exercise program. For me, I exercise every single day. Like I don't miss a day. If I miss a day, it's because I'm sick. And the um, endorphins I get from that, they last for so long. And friends of mine also who have, I have a very close friend who's has severe depression, and she refuses to go on medicine, and her exercise is, is, that's her medicine. And so maybe start, you can start with that, see if there's any changes in that. I mean, listen, I, I still feel like if a kid is in extreme situation where they're like, suicide or you feel like they're heading that way I would first go and I don't I'm not a medical doctor of but course, yeah I would go the medicine route for me my side effects happened gradually and they happened over years when do you see side effects first take place um, like you know because again like I would if I, with her situation I didn't care about side effects I was in a desperate situation I just wanted to get her help and make that pain stop. Mm-hmm. So when do those side effects start happening? You know, when should a parent maybe then think of an alternative?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's why you have at least initially fairly frequent follow-ups because you need that clinical conversation to check in and, see, and you know, have that, you know, person be assessed and say, you know, I'm starting to feel this a little bit or I've noticed I'm gaining some weight or... I'm feeling very flat, like my normal bubbly personality, even though I'm not really depressed. Maybe I'm feeling numb. Maybe I'm just feeling like I'm not myself or empty inside. So these are all signs that like either the medication needs to be tweaked, maybe the dose needs to be reduced, maybe you need to try a different medication. A lot of times um, one medication might be added to another medication to offset some side effects. Right.
0: With the neurofeedback, I want to say that I was still on my medicine When I was doing it, and so was Eden, so that this way there was no crash of like not being on medicine. So eventually, we we I was in the process, and so was she, of weaning off the medicine, so that the neural feedback would take over. So that, but there has been. Enough time for me to tell you there's no shelf life left of that medicine and it's fully neurofeedback for me. I don't do it anymore. You do around 30 to 40 sessions, and I think a lot of people's insurance should cover it. It's about like seventy to a hundred dollars a session and you don't have to be off something. So if you're in a very desperate situation and you are looking for that route, you don't have to um you don't have to worry that you have to go off your medicine in order to do it. You can actually do them together. So if you are looking for maybe an alternative, there is that as well. Um and so the common side effects in our weight gain. Sexual side effects is what I was worried about with her. I didn't want she was she didn't even know what a sexual side effect was because I put her on so young, but she might have been experiencing it. And I just didn't want that to happen either. So what are some of the other and side effects meaning you lose a lot of your sexual desire? That's what I mean by side effects
2: right and in addition to that sometimes there can be sleep issues um whether they feel too sedated on the medication or it's affecting their sleep Um, appetite too much too little i mean as you said i mean you didn't really have i don't think you felt like your appetite Mm -mm. but some people actually do feel like their appetite gets increased and they gain weight because of that the most important thing is to be with a psychiatrist or a provider that you can really feel like you can have these conversations with that are going to listen to you and hear you and not just sort of jump to do things without getting your feedback. 100%. Actually, I I I have a question for you. I mean, do you notice regarding your mood, depending on how much time you're on social media, if that affects your mood? Like whether some days if you're not on it as much, how your mood feels versus other days when you're on it a lot and how that affects your mood?
1: when i'm on it a lot i'm like more like at home and in my bed and not doing stuff so i do feel like sadder but when i'm not on it as much like a lot of times i won't admit it but like i feel like more free and like just like i have a lot more um i don't know well
0: for example eden's punished right now so she lost snapchat and she lost tiktok um snapchat indefinitely and tiktok for a month and I see a difference already in her. Um, Eden's extremely talented, not just because I'm her mom. She just is. And I just see her singing more, doing... She's engaging with us more. Her personality's out more. You're
2: in a tunnel when you're in social media. And when you step away from it, I feel like the world opens up for you again. And I just see this across the board. So,
0: Eden, do you have any advice on um, a way that teenagers can either... Can approach their parents or ways that parents can approach teenagers to talk about mental health it's pretty difficult for a kid to come over to their parent and and you know they probably don't even know what depression or anxiety even is they probably couldn't even describe that
1: um first for the teen to go to the parent i would just have a sit down conversation with them and just be like if you're having trouble or if, like if you're not if you're feeling sad or stuff just have an honest conversation and be like hey like i need help and stuff can you help me and like it's going to be hard for some people i think but the parents should just you guys should make sure that, like, you make it an open and, like, safe space for them to come talk to you. Um, and then the teen should, shouldn't should have a problem.
0: But what if the teen doesn't come? And the parent, how should the parent approach it?
1: The parent, I guess, just in a subtle way, like, just, like, ask them how's your day and, like, what went on in the day. And then if you see their reaction to some of the things that happen, that maybe could be, like, an awake.
2: If a parent and... You know the child aren't as close or maybe don't have that easy a time of communicating parents can always just come from a place of curiosity you know oh. it doesn't have to be like um i'm calling you out on something or i'm judging you or i'm concerned it could be just like you know i've noticed i'm just curious like you you've been like not going out with your friends as much or you're like skipping breakfast and lunch and you're barely eating dinner i'm just curious as so like is everything okay or you know but you don't want to sort of um confront in a aggressive or like overly concerned way because that might make your teens shut down
1: yeah it'll also make them feel scared if it's like exactly if you say in like a little like what's going on like do we need to help you they'll be like no 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 no, like i don't need help like it 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 could scare them in a way also because they'll be like oh no something's wrong with me like i like what's going on so you wanna do it in like a subtle
0: way? But I could only go to how I approached it, but like Eden said, like I What think, the hell's wrong? I know. What is wrong? But like our relationship is 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 pretty unique. So I don't know that I did it right or wrong. I think it's just like what Coco said. Oh, I noticed a little bit of this, I noticed that, I noticed this. Um, you know, if if you are feeling this way, I want you to know I'm here and I want to get you help. I love you and I know that you might not want to talk about this, but you know, I can definitely help you with anything, please always know I'm here and I really, really want to help you because I feel for those kids and I feel for those parents. The parents who have kids who are shut down from them because they just shut down. It's not even the parents' fault. It's just because they want nothing to... Like, I happen to be very close to her, but she shuts down on me regularly, you know, as close as we are. So for those people who didn't even have that bond, I can't imagine how difficult that must be for a parent. And then from the kid's perspective, they might have parents who are completely unapproachable and know nothing about mental health.
1: There's a... There's like a... um places you can call or you can text like the suicide um whatever it's called. hotline yeah the suicide hotline and like that type of stuff that you can always text or call and
2: i would also add that it's very important for teens to understand that it's not a sign of weakness Mm-mm. you shouldn't be ashamed if you're struggling it's actually brave and courageous to sort of say i need some help or i'm i'm really not in a good space and Maybe I don't even know what help looks like, but how important it is to just reach out, whether it's to a friend, a parent, a teacher. If you what had happens? diabetes, you wouldn't think twice about taking metformin or, you know, if you had a heart condition. So I think we're lucky that the movement is in the right direction these days, that mental health is being less and less stigmatized and it's, it's treated like, you know, any other Condition, medical condition. So I just think it's so important for teens who especially feel so much shame and they feel like so self-conscious in general to realize that they need to communicate and they need to not feel embarrassed or worried about what they're experiencing or feeling.
0: Do you have any last thoughts that you want to say, Coco, on this topic Or you feel that we covered?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the last thing I'll say is, you know, being a teenager is tough. You're dealing with hormones. You're dealing with everything that's going on socially at school. And now this other layer of or this third dimension of social media, which I think is so stressful on so many levels. So just, you know, I guess for teenagers, have patience and parents have patience and just try to help each other through it because it's a very trying, difficult time for the teen and the parent who's trying to understand the teen and trying to sort of like not also get offended by maybe what the teen is experiencing and what the teen might be taking out on the parent. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, Yes, of course. Thank you. so much fun.
0: Thank you for coming Coco. Um, guys, you can check out our Facebook page. It's the mini and me podcast on the Facebook on Facebook. You can check it out on Instagram. And if you're watching on YouTube, you already know, but if you, um, you all can watch us on YouTube at the mini and me podcast, just search in the search bar. And uh, that's it. Anything else? No, we're good. All right. Thank you, guys. We're doing our handshake for those that don't see.
1: Bye, guys. Peace.